Hey there all you cool cats and kittens and welcome back to another episode of Best in Sass, where each week we take you behind the scenes for conversations with some of Silicon Valley's best and brightest operators and investors. Crack a beer, get comfortable, and join us on our quest to find the patterns and playbooks that accelerate the sprint to 10 million of that good stuff, that repeatable stuff, that stuff we call ARR. So today I am really thrilled to have who I, the person I think is at the very, very top of marketing in Silicon Valley. Um, she has led 12 successful exits, or at least been a part of them in some capacity um, since 2011. She's an operator. She's an advisor. She's a leader. Two IPOs. Uh, none other than Megan Eisenberg. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I normally ask this question at the end, but... Because I'm so unbelievably enamored with your career and and what you've done thus far, how who are the folks who've inspired you along the way and mentored you to the point that you are today? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say, you know, when I think about, uh, I always look at the. I think you learn from leaders no matter what, whether they're a good leader or a bad leader. You you take hopefully you take away the good stuff and what motivated you, and you realize what not to do. Um, and I, I think if I look back at those that I learned a lot from early in my career, I worked for a woman at Applied Materials. I was an intern uh, and uh, she was an amazing uh, leader at that time uh, in a Lotus Notes kind of role. Um, and so I learned a lot from her when, when I graduated from business school, uh, there was a, a gentleman named Dan Drucker. He was the CMO of a Trigo Technologies. And um, he, he taught me a lot about product marketing. He taught me a lot about the partnership between marketing and sales and how important that was. And interestingly enough, the same company, one of the co-founders, Byron Dieter of Trigo, um, I, really throughout my career, every, every company along the way, I always checked in with him and got his insight and feedback uh, and, and learning uh, so he's always been a great mentor as well, just assessing different opportunities. Uh, and so there's been some that have helped me assess, helped me be a better marketer. And there's been some that have helped me assess like where, where to go next in my career. You mentioned that, you know, some of these learnings come from folks who aren't good examples, but instead are, are, are the inverse of that. Obviously, you know, without naming names, could you tell some stories maybe of what those learnings were, how they manifested, and and when it clicked for you that you wanted to be the the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I you know it's interesting. You hear about leadership style that it's a balance between um, love and fear, and I think uh, some leaders gravitate more towards fear to motivate, and others gravitate towards love. And I think you can't be too much of one or the other. I think there are times that you need to um, motivate. Um, teach, learn, love, and bring people through in their career. And there's other times where there it's where you do use a balance of fear to motivate, but hopefully on, on uh, a lesser amount. I uh, tend to be, I would say, I'm to a fault more on the love side than the fear side of leadership. Uh, <laughs> so I I can learn a lot from those that leverage the other side. I would also frame it as the carrot and stick. I'm more of a carrot because that's how I respond. If I'm praised or rewarded, I want more of that. So I work even harder 
where some think that if you use a stick, people will work harder. And so I've seen the different leadership styles and said, you know, I didn't like the way that felt. That didn't motivate me. That wasted time. That's not what I'm going to do. And there's other times like, oh, yeah, that was a really good use of fear for a short term sprint. Um, and so I, 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 you know, I've just observed different styles and, and a lot of times I just think about how did it impact me, but it's also the person and the style that they need to be most effective in their role. So jumping around a little bit, um, when you and I last got together for coffee, it was at the Phil's in Palo Alto. I think it was 2015, which is crazy. Time flies. And I remember being so blown away by the depth of the tech stack that you were just aggressively making leverage of back then. And now thinking through how much more some of the things that you were onto then have matured so much or, or quite a bit, at least in that time, how, how do you see, I mean, the, the next couple of years unfolding as far as MarTech is concerned? You know, it's interesting. I think we need uh, technology more than ever, especially, you know, everyone's online. That's why you're seeing a lot of the tech companies uh, are responding actually positively in the markets because of this, all of a sudden this, you know, we have to go online. We have to log in. We have to have security. We're remote. We have to collaborate all these different tools. Um, But in marketing specifically, if you think about it, 40% of your budget used to go to events and field. And now those are gone at least for six months, if not a year, and that's shifted to online. And when you want to spend money online and you need to optimize, you're using uh, the different marketing technologies out there. Maybe you're optimizing your website, you're optimizing your email marketing, your social media, your paid search, uh, you're sending direct mails. All of those have uh, a MarTech company behind them. Uh, here, certainly, every time I join a company, I end up assessing their people, their process, and their technology. And I tend to bring in a lot of technology because it gives me the data I need and the visibility into what's working and what's not working and what we can do to be more efficient as a marketing organization, but also as a, a go-to-market engine and a funnel to drive uh, revenue. And so I, I, I believe companies, in order to compete, need technology, and that's a competitive advantage. And moving forward, more and more is online right now, uh, and you need it. Uh, you need to, you know, be effective and efficient and target the audience that you're going after. So I certainly think the future is full of technology. Now, as we are cutting costs and moving into a recession, we've got to be very careful on what technology becomes critical and not. And so I do think you're going to be ranking your stack and have to let go some of those that you haven't been able to prove the return on investment with, uh, and that your CFO is going to demand that you, if they haven't done that already, which a lot of them do, demand that you prove the ROI on that spend. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have to to cut it. And I think you'll see some renewals not happening because they won't. Marketers aren't able to prove the ROI always. How how many independent pieces of tech do you have in your stack right now if you were to guess 30 30 okay yeah and marketing alone add in sales you're probably getting closer to 50 and some of the 30 in martech cross over into sales tech both organizations use it sure okay so now let's play a game if if you were forced to narrow that down to the five most essential outside of the obvious like Uh core marketing automation sales yeah so i don't have to count that we have marketo and eloqua (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, wow. All right. Maybe you have some explaining to do, but. Uh... Yeah, it's true. We have, we, we have Marketo for our sales engine pipeline prospects. If you think about it, our business is at travel management and we communicate a lot to our, not only our travel managers, the admins of our systems, but also the travelers making sure they're having a great experience, checking in with them. They've got their itinerary. They've got their uh, flight. They can register, you know, the things that you need on a business trip. And so we use Eloqua for our, uh, really our travelers and their loyalty and customer experience. And we're using Marketo for uh, our, our go-to-market side. So we've got both got platforms. It. And I don't want those to ever really cross over. I wouldn't want sales calling a traveler. Right. That's not the buyer. Sure. Right? You don't, I don't want sales. I don't want a traveler to end up in Salesforce. So if I isolate them in their own marketing database and I don't connect them to um, really what we're doing for pipeline, that's a, a good way to separate them. That makes sense. All right. So those aside, what would your five picks be? So such a good question. So um, there's a whole slew that really, I think, make the funnel more efficient, like full circle CRM and lean data. You could put that in sales tech, um, but I always recommend that we have them. So I think that's critical. Um, I've also, I think critical is we have a bunch of tools on our website um, that are optimizing conversions like Optimizely. Uh, and we have, if I had to pick from an ABM standpoint, uh, I think uh, Terminus, we've got Terminus working well, we've got Reactful. And then I, I think a critical part, especially now that events are gone, are our ability to do direct mail. We've got Sendoso for that. Um, What's I know the I'm most? Going over five. Yeah, that's more than five. <laughs> <laughs> so I ran out of fingers. Um, what's the What's the craziest or most creative uh, Sendoso send that you've ever done? You know, we just um, we've done a few. Uh, one that I really like, I didn't actually, it's interesting. I, I didn't like it at first. I thought it was such an odd I, uh, thing to send. Um, and it, it, but then it actually ended up being a brilliant thing to send. So we succulents, which I guess now are more popular than they were before. <laughs> I never really was into having succulents on my desk. So I, I didn't like, you know, I like flowers and roses and, and blooming things. Um, so I just was like, okay, this is weird. But if you think about it, if you send someone a succulent, a living plant, one, succulents are easy to ship. They don't, you know, move around. They can kind of go without water for a while. But if the planter has your logo on it, so you have trip actions on it, first of all, it's hard to throw away a living thing. So you send someone a plant, they set it on their desk naturally. So one, it's hard to throw it away, but also it sits on their desk and they look at it and your brand sits there and others in the company see it. And then people will take pictures and they'll share it. And so I was really surprised how well succulents went over. That's amazing. I, I love how you reverse engineer it and it makes perfect sense. But at first blush, it's like, huh. I was like, can we do something else? I don't want to get a succulent. I think, well, <laughs> what do I want to get in the mail? I'm like, ah, oh, succulent. Now, of course, I think they're a lot more trendy, but this was about a year ago. And maybe they were trendy back then and I'm behind. But um, <laughs> yeah, that surprised me how well that worked to get a response on it. How do you like to measure the influence of something like physical mailers on? a campaign to get to whatever your next goal is, whether it's a response or, or greasing the funnel. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's a, a few different use cases. Uh, I think 
direct mail is awesome for opening a door. So you pick your top 100 or 200 accounts that aren't responding to you because there's the art of reciprocity. If someone gives you something, you kind of feel, most people feel inclined to respond. Sure. Uh, and, oh, and even if it's a negative response, it's a response. Um, so one, I think they're great for opening the door and getting someone to respond to you. Two, your mid funnel, you want to close a deal. I think a gain site did this brilliantly. I was uh, at MongoDB and we're, we're close to close, you know, signing up for Gainsight as a customer. And they sent our office, our Palo Alto office, 14 buckets of ice cream, right? Big gallons of ice cream. <laughs> and everyone came down and was like eating ice cream. And they're like, who got the ice cream? Who brought the ice cream? And we're, and, and someone said, oh, Gainsight sent it over. And it was like, oh, some would be like, oh, wow, Gainsight. Or others would be like, what's Gainsight? Who's Gainsight? And we sure. all sat there talking about it. And we ended up closing the deal and becoming a customer. And so it's that sort of thing. It was like, that was great to close a deal because it brought people together. They talked about it. it and it's not that, right? To send ice cream is probably not that expensive, but it bonded you to the customer. I think a third example, which we did recently for a direct mail, um, I called it Project Sunshine because um, I have this belief that people right now need, you know, they need to socially distance, but they need to be out in sunshine. They need to raise their melatonin. They need vitamin D. I think it's good for mental health, all these things. So we decided to send our customers, those that we, you know, had an address for that responded and gave us their address because it's, you can't send it to businesses right now. Um, but if they sent us their address, we sent them a picnic basket with a postcard. And it was just, you know, it was like, hey, we just want to check in with you. We hope you just get a little bit of break to go outside, feel the sun. It feels like the right time to just like, like celebrate life a little bit. Um, and we've seen really good response from our customers. Like, thank you. It, you know, made me you know, like, we're going to go in the backyard and have a picnic. We're going to walk over to the park and have a picnic. We're doing it in, you know, inside the house because we can't leave the, or the apartment we can't leave. But it's just like, this like, thank you. And it's not that much, you know, it's not that expensive. You can actually get picnic baskets with your brand colors without having to design them. And adding in a postcard from the CSM is a really easy thing to do. And it, it's just like that surprise and delight moment that bonds your brand. Because if you think about it for travel, nobody's traveling right now. They're not interacting with our brand. You know, when sure. you travel with trip actions, you're on the app, you see it, we respond, we take care of you, you talk with our travel agents, we're global. But if you're not traveling at all, how do I get them, our travelers and our, our travel managers to interact with the brand? Uh, and I, I need things to remind them that we're here for them and we care about them and who we are as a, a company. Uh, so just, you know, there's several ways I think you can use throughout the funnel. Um, with direct mail. Have you found any creative ways to get around the challenge of every, well, most people working from home right now and not having uh, physical addresses for the individual personas that you're going after? Uh, yes, for sure. So, I mean, Sendoso actually pivoted their, their ability to deliver by giving you like you outreach with the email and the person enters their information into the system. So it's still kept private. So there's a way, I mean, it still means the person has to open the email and engage with it. So that's, you know, one way to do it. Um, you know, if you have a real, you know, if they're willing to respond, there's also ways where you don't pick what you send them. It's like, here, I want to send you a care package. You get to pick it out and you have like a, a, a threshold and they can pick something out of a group of items um, that they get. Um, and there's, you know, there's just different ways. Amazon, I think cards work well, but I, I think there's something to sending them 
something physical versus just an electronic item. Sure. Um, what we did before when we could meet with folks, there's a woman who makes these amazing cookies by Nadine. She's in the Bay Area. She can pretty much draw just about anything on these cookies. And huh. we would send like our brand and their brand and like different celebration type cookies, so similar to the ice cream idea um, from, from a closing standpoint, just these moments and touches that show that you're willing, you're just going to take that extra step to personalize for them and take care of them. Our mission is customer first and the experience is a really big part of who we are. And so we want to create that experience and let them know that's the type of company they're going to work with uh, moving forward. What do you think the biggest challenge that marketers face today is? Oh goodness. Uh, Cut budgets. (laughs) So, you know, they, a lot of, you know, I, we, we shrank in size in the last couple months um, in business travel, of course, and budgets are cut. So I think that's, you know, some of it. And then it's just huge disruption to the workforce as everyone uh, ha- had to get used to one, get their, you know, work from home. If they have kids, like I have kids, homeschooling uh, and trying to figure out the world. Uh, I think safety or safety is, is a little off. So you're trying to market in a world that is going through massive disruption and then all the political things going on. Um, you know, it's like economic crisis, health crisis, political crisis. Yeah. I mean, these are tough conditions and it's really easy to come off tone deaf. And most people are like, can I talk to you in a couple months? So for marketers, you've got to one, have the right, you got to pivot and have the right messaging for the current times. Two, you better have value you can deliver, right? The product's got to deliver something they need now. Uh, And then you've got to create a sense of urgency. Why not wait a month or two from now? You know, at first we were hearing things like, oh my goodness, right now I can't even think about this. Can I talk to you in a month? You know, we're not even traveling. And we were like, well, actually, there's no better time to switch in and switch out a travel program. Nobody's (laughs) traveling. Like it's a perfect time to do change management. And in fact, here's all the benefits you're going to get. And when they take off, you can set new policies. You can, you know, protect your travelers. You can save money. Like right now, you know, saving cash is a big deal and cost control. Well, we've got a a great solution for you to do that and to set the right policies. And we're, you know, we have an innovative team and all the messaging and, and product that we're delivering for now. But we had, you know, we had to make that quick change and pivot. So I think marketers have to drive a sense of urgency, not be tone deaf and do it with less money. It's a, it's a hell of a time. <laughs> That's it <for> sure. is. <laughs> um, I'm curious, you know, when you are interacting with other marketers who are more junior in their careers, even folks who are at, you know, at fast growing companies, are there are there certain things that you see them doing as as maybe a pattern that it's you know sometimes it's hard to call call people out you know or it's not the right place or time but if there's are there any patterns that you've identified where you're like man I I wish marketers just would get this right like a lot of them aren't and it would it would be such a level up for them if they could make that shift or realization is there anything on you your know, short I- list? I, I love it when I love the people that I can give just about any project to and they go figure it out. They have the energy, even if there's roadblocks, they they're able to work cross functionally. They can work with sales or product or whoever they need to figure it out. And they come back with a solution um, versus the ones that always just are in your, you know, we don't really have offices, but at your desk or at your zoom 
and are are just telling you all the reasons they can't get it done. They don't have budget. So and so doesn't won't do this. They're waiting on content over here. They don't have a design like the ones that are always coming to you with the unfinished or all the reasons why they can't. I want to turn those victims into the ones that figure it out. They build relationships with their their counterparts, their peers, their team, cross-functional, whether they need to work with someone in product marketing or design or comms, like they find a way to build the relationships they need to sell the value of the project and get it done in a timely amount of time. And so I try to hire those people and I try to turn the ones that are not those people into those people by giving them either the skills or the confidence or the um, models I've used successfully in the past. Um, but yeah, I can often, I can almost always see the ones that are going to do well. Like it's pretty easy to see the ones like, wow, they figured out how to do that. And now I can give them more or something new, or I just, just have this confidence. I can throw it to them and I don't even have to explain it that much. They like, just go figure it. They figure it out. Just clicks. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as far as my eyes can see, you're at, you're at the very top of the industry in marketing. And I'm sure to you there, there are even greater heights that you want to accomplish. Um, what, what are those? And, you know, what are your personal goals for yourself this year? Yeah. You know, I think being a CMO is really hard. Uh, and you're, you're, it's, I think the amount, the different things you have to do, uh, make it also exciting. You're, you, it, there's always an area you need to improve. You always have to improve the funnel. You always have to improve your messaging. You always have to, you know, get PR and respond. You always have to capture customer stories, uh, and you you you're dependent on people, right? You've got to enable your sales team. That's always an ever changing thing. Um, the product is always growing, evolving. Your competitors are making moves. Your budget's going up and down. Um, you know, it, it is a balance of art and science. You've got to be really creative. It's a noisy environment out there. And so I love marketing for that reason. It's, I never feel like I am the best at anything. I never feel like I really know what I'm doing. I just, I, um, I think I know how, I know how to hire well and I can see things I need to go fix and I have the energy to go do it. Uh, but it's, it's, I, I, I could never say that it's easy. Um, and that's why I love it. And I plan to be a CMO for a long time. I don't have sites on, you know, I don't have sites on being a CEO or a COO or anything like that. I think mastering a CMO is, is almost impossible. Uh, and I, I do love when I, you know, I switched from MongoDB, which is a very developer focused technical product to business travel, which is not infrastructure. Um, I would say tons of fun. Uh, I use the product, you know, it's just a totally different environment, but you also sell to a different audience. Uh, and I think it's, it's fun figuring out what it's going to take to scale the company um, makes it exciting uh, for sure. And, you know, you're always hiring and growing and, and figuring out what's around the corner. You know, this is a curveball. Nobody's traveling. Great example of, uh, you know, figuring out what we need to do. And I think we've made some really good moves in the last three months. I think we're positioned very well to actually come out of it and take more market share. Uh, I think uh, if we have, you know, we just took 125 million uh, last week. We announced it, um, and we had you know 200 and something in the bank. So you know, we've got over 300 million to survive. Uh, what you know, a, a fairly long amount of time has 
Ben Horowitz says, as long as this doesn't go on for 10 years, we're fine. Uh, (laughs) um, Right. And we're not, the larger companies are going to hurt because they've got huge debt infrastructure. As you grow really large, you take on and you acquire more companies, you acquire more debt. It's hard for you to control cost. You've got, you've got people, you've got infrastructure and you've got legacy technology. So we have the advantage. We're five years old. We're on modern technology. We, we have 900 people, not, you know, uh, a huge amount there and, and cash to sustain the downturn for a couple of years. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't have to pivot messaging, arm the sales team and take market share, right? We're aggressively going after and um, we are still doing quite well signing new contracts. Over 265 customers in the last three months we've signed on during a, a travel, wow. basically a travel freeze, right? Um, so the, and it's a massive market. It's a $1.5 trillion market pre-COVID. I've seen things where it says it's a $600 billion market uh, for the next two years because travel it, it will come down. But we had less than 1% of the market. So how do I get the rest of it, right? Even if I get 2%, 4%, 8% of it, that's Still a massive big. market. So I've got to make sure I lead the team through the downturn uh, and and climb back up while taking uh, the market share. I think we can take. So that's a you know it's a different challenge. I don't I don't want to say it's fun because nothing about the last three months have been fun, but um, you know intellectually stimulating for sure. And how you navigate it with less people and less budget. Well, I love your outlook. It's that, that makes all the difference, right? There, there are so many other ways that this could be handled or seen, and instead you're like, this is a sweet challenge. Let's do this. So yes, yes, that's really inspiring. The last question I have for you is, um, what do you do to unwind? Like outside of work, you have a really intense career, lots of challenges, three kids. What what helps you stay balanced? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say it's my family, right? It's my kids. Um, you know, you come home and you're you're you know make sure they've eaten, which usually they have. <laughs> <laughs> the essentials. Done their homework when we were homeschooling, uh, and, and when they're in school. Now they're not in school, so it's it's you know what do you have going on? Have you read? You know, brush teeth. <laughs> you know the basic <laughs> hygiene, shower, yep. brush your hair, uh, kind of thing. But just also hang out with them. You know, I at night I lie down usually with all of them, but I start with the youngest and then if I don't fall asleep for the rest of the night in her bed, um, go to the middle <laughs> and then the, my oldest. And it's, it's, it's almost like my five-year-old, she doesn't want to go to bed. So it's, she becomes so chatty. So we're lying there and she just asks me all these questions and shares all of the stuff going on and just seeing things from her perspective, uh, things that worry her. Like she's very worried that it, if she gets to go back to school in the fall, that they can't play tag anymore. She loved playing tag. She loved chasing boys, chasing girls. And, and she's like, mom, I'm not going to get to play tag and do the bars. And I was like, oh, I did not even think that is something you're thinking about right now. Um, but that might be true. You might not get to do those things in the fall. But she just, you know, her observation on things uh, and talking with her and telling me about stuff, I, I, that is how I kind of unwind. It's very comforting, I think, as a mom to be lying down with your children and like listening to them. And then if I fall asleep, my middle will come in and wake me up and say, it's her turn. So then I go lie down. <laughs> in the room. And then she usually tells me about all the things that her sister did to her that day. Cause my older two have a, a good sibling rivalry going on. So I get to hear the wrongs and rights of, of her day. And then, you know, I'll either fall asleep or she'll fall asleep and I'll sneak out and then go to the oldest who's 10 and she'll chat to me about what's going on. And I don't know. It's just like my, my evening is, is 
about a two-hour cycle of <laughs> putting kids to bed. But it, it helped me unwind and put things into perspective. Ah, that sounds really nice and thoroughly entertaining as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I often come out and find my husband and go, do you know what she said? <laughs> laugh about it or, you know, go, oh, we should probably address that. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, Megan, thank you again for coming on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure and uh, looking forward to seeing all the growth that you drive and, and the wonderful things you put out into the world. Thank you for having me.